as we, uh, as we enter in our second week of this series on Advent. And as, uh, as Pastor Eric started last week talking about the, the hope that we have in uncertainty, uh, today we're going to be talking about finding peace. So appropriately, this last song we just sang, finding peace in the midst of of our struggles. And so in addition to just walking through a sermon series on Advent, you can check out uh, New Life's website uh, for some, some uh, blog posts and additional information about Advent and this idea that it's not only a, an extension of Christmas or a recognition of upcoming Christmas, but it is remembering the, the time in the past when the nation of Israel was anticipating a Savior coming. And then really the celebration, which, which happened back then to some extent, but it happens to us every year as we're celebrating the arrival of the Savior and then as all of us anticipate his second coming. So take some time, uh, take a look um, at that. I think it'll be beneficial and it'll be uh, edifying to you as we walk down this path over the course of the next few weeks. My name is Ryan James, one of the elders here. And I get the privilege of, of sharing this message today. Uh, as we get started, I want to have you join me in a kind of a little silly exercise. So, um, so the kids, I'm looking at you. You're participating right now, especially right up here. Eyes up. We're, we're, we're thinking about what we're doing right now. So I want to have everybody, though, join me. Everybody who's here in the room, everybody who's online, you get the opportunity to participate in this little uh, silly mental exercise, but it'll be fun. So, so walk with me here. All right. So I want everyone in their mind's eye to go to their kitchen. All right. And you, in your kitchen, you've got a cat and let's call it a gray cat, just a regular cat. And then, and then have this cat grow a little bit to where it can, it's big enough to where it can sit with its, um, with its paws, back paws on the floor and its front paws on the table. Right? Is everybody with me? They're nods. You know, this is a little silly, but everybody's with me here. So you've got, you've got this gray cat, back paws on the ground, front paws on the table, and this cat is wearing this safari hat. All right? Everybody with me? And then, after he's sitting there for a bit, he gets up, and he walks on his back paws over to the refrigerator, opens up the refrigerator, takes the milk, you know, pours the milk into a bowl that's sitting there. And then this big cat drops down on all fours and laps up that milk like a normal cat, just bigger. All right. Uh, Everybody with me there? Still got that mental picture? All right, very good. Well, I appreciate you participating. I, I've, been, I've been listening to a, a podcast called The Dr. Delon Deloney Show for the last several months. He's a psychologist that specializes in relationships. And one of the things that he routinely does as he receives callers that are struggling with this idea of dealing with thoughts that they can't help but experience and he often walks them through an exercise similar to what we just did, making the point that at least to some degree, we have the ability to control the thoughts that come into our minds. Because let's, let's test it out here. So I don't know what you all were thinking about, you know, about a minute ago when I started down this silly exercise, but how many of you went to your kitchen and envisioned this crazy big cat? 
Yeah, I'd say we've got about, you know, 70%, and then we have 25% liars. So I think that I think that all of us showed that we do have the ability to some extent to control the things that we are thinking about. And so especially in, in, with the idea, and, and a lot of the, the callers that I hear on this show are focused on anxiety and these concerns that, that we have in our lives and we can't get rid of them. We focus on them. We fixate on them. But I'm hopeful that today as we um, walk through some of these passages and we remember the source of peace in our lives, that we can take this exercise and shift our thoughts in the coming weeks, months, and beyond. So the other thing I'm curious about today, do we have any uh, people that have roots in Finland, you know, Finnish uh, heritage, or you have friends in Finland? So apparently, I don't either. I'm close by, though, with Sweden. You know, we're just, just next door or, or not too far away. Apparently, the, the folks in Finland take, take Christmas very seriously. And in fact, they have this tradition that has happened since the 1300s, like 700 years. It's pretty crazy. It's called the Declaration of Christmas Peace. And so each year at noon... On Christmas Eve, they get together in the town square, this place called Turku, the city called Turku, and this proclamation is read. And so I'm going I'm to read it right now, and this is how it goes. Tomorrow, God willing, is the graceful celebration of the birth of our Lord and Savior, and thus is declared a peaceful Christmas time to all by advising devotion and to behave otherwise quietly and peacefully. Because he who breaks this peace and violates the peace of Christmas by any illegal or improper behavior shall under aggravating, aggravating circumstances be guilty and punished according to what the law and the statutes prescribe for each and every offense separately. Finally, a joyous Christmas feast is wished to all inhabitants of the city. So, you know, don't mess, don't mess with Finland um, if you're thinking about creating a ruckus on Christmas, all right? So don't do that. They take it very seriously. Now, I sort of appreciate that. I think it's cool that they're, that they're in a public proclamation. They recognize the birth of our Lord and Savior, and that's certainly, I think, lost in many cases in our happy holidays, uh, culture that, that many of us um, live and, and, and work in day to day. Uh, but at some level, I sort of think that that proclamation falls a little short and it focuses a little bit about dictating a behavior or dictating a feeling that, that in all reality may not be able to happen. It, it kind of conjures up an idea for, for us this year, if, if one of our state or government leaders got on a, a live stream or a, a live TV shot in the next few weeks and said, this year, in 2020, for Christmas, there is no anxiety allowed surrounding the topics of COVID-19, politics, the election, social unrest. There's no anxiety allowed 
In 2020, Christmas peace will prevail. They put a period on it. They shut down the live stream, walk off the stage, and be like, well, glad we took care of that for this year. (laughs) No, that's that's just simply not reality this year. I mean, the the reality of it is is that that we all know people by now that that have picked up this, this virus and have become sick. We've certainly got people that have been quarantined, whether it's in nursing homes or in their own homes or have to stay home from school because they've come in contact or work. Their, their jobs have been impacted. They've been laid off. Their incomes have been impacted. There, there is, and that's just with COVID. That doesn't even address the, you know, the election happened. Is it still going on? Has it been decided? What's that mean for the policy decisions going in the future? Who's going to be our leaders? And, and maybe we're sad or confused about other things that have happened this last year with, with um, social unrest and racial tensions. And we're, who, how, do we, how do we wrap that up into a, a nice package and sort of put it under the Christmas tree and, and experience the peace of Christmas? And the reality is, is that for this year, that is not, and really in no years, that is not going to happen. Because just flipping our calendar towards December 25th, it doesn't decrease our anxiety. It doesn't, it doesn't decrease the, the tension in our lives that we're dealing with. There's very real items that I, that I just mentioned. It just, it just doesn't, doesn't do justice what we need taken care of in our lives. Thankfully, the Word of God and the Christmas story and the gospel message, they truly speak directly to this topic of finding peace. And it is of great, great encouragement. And this is a a little bit of a... uh, It's telling the end of the message today at the start. But I'd like to do that. Um, And... If you can write it down, I, I wrote it down here so I didn't forget. Um, so go ahead and, and write this one statement down. Because really my hope and prayer for those of you here in the room today, which we have a nice, a nice group coming out today, and I'm grateful for that. That the, that the courage it takes in the midst of everything that we're hearing about and is, is reality with the virus, I'm grateful to come together and worship, by the way. And for those online, I'm grateful to have you participate as well. But it's great to, to join together in worship, and I'm thankful, thankful for it. But my hope and prayer for really the big idea, the take-home message of today, and this is what I want you to write down, is that I can have contentment in my current state because I have confidence in my ultimate outcome. I can have contentment in my current state because I have contentment in my ultimate outcome. And we're going to unpack that more throughout the course of the day, but I want that to be resonating through your minds because it's, it's a critical question for both those of us that have received Christ as our Savior and those of us have, that have not. The opportunity of that statement is there for us. All right, well, uh, join with me uh, and turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. Uh, because we're going, to, uh, we're going to focus in on the, the context of the shepherds this morning as we explore this idea of finding peace in our struggles. 
We're going to start in Luke chapter 2, verse 8, and read all the way through 14, which we already got a sneak preview of uh, this morning with the candle, um, candle lighters. And uh, thankfully, we, we have uh, taken care of the fire hazard, I guess, again this week. So um, the Advent candles... Zero, um, breeze in the room, two, I guess at this point with two weeks down. So Luke chapter two, verse eight. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is well pleased." And so, with this amazing announcement to the shepherds, first of all, why the shepherds? The, the shepherds, you know, a lot of people talk about why God prioritized communicating with the shepherds. And it could have been because there was a, a long history in the nation of Israel, all the way back to Abraham, Isaac, and, and Jacob. And those guys were, were shepherds, and, and it was a Sheep were a huge part of that agricultural setting. So it may have been a look back at the past of their heritage. It may have had to do with just God's sort of routine of involving the common man and woman in his plan, in the rolling out of his plan. It would be consistent with his involvement with Mary and Joseph in, in bringing Jesus into the world with the the signs of Anna and Simeon that Pastor Eric talked about last week, very unassuming people that played critical roles in announcing the, the coming of the Savior. Or it may have actually had to do with a, the symbol of the lambs, the sheep themselves. Of course, throughout, throughout the old covenant times, that the Passover lamb, the sacrifice of the Passover lamb generated the blood that was the covering for the sins of the people. And then now, as, as we now know, that Jesus came and became the lamb of God and his blood was shed to cover the sins of the world and that ultimately to, to prevent the need for any longer an actual sacrificial lamb. So any of these things um, could have been it, but... When I want to focus on today is actually what was said to the shepherds. There were kind of two items that were said to the shepherds. First, it was when the individual angel uh, appeared to them. So if you can imagine sort of being in a really dark room or a really dark place and, or out in the, the countryside on a dark night, and all of a sudden you've got a, an angel before you. I mean, that would be startling enough. And, it, and the passage says that they were frightened. And he said, don't be afraid, but I think you would be a little bit um, afraid. And the angel said to them, if you look uh, back in verse, uh, verse 11, really there's, there's one, one fact that was communicated and that is, is that unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. 
A Savior was born. Christ the Lord was born. This is a proclamation. So there was a proclamation happened by the angel. And then just a minute later, the multitude of heavenly hosts showed up. And so you can't even, and I sort of want to go back to my uh, cat with a hat on, mind's eye exercise to take your mind there with this dark night, a single angel and the shepherds being scared enough already. And then behind them, you know, tens of thousands of angels showing up the size of a, you know, a football stadium or a, a huge parade or something like that, where you've got people everywhere and they're all singing and celebrating, if you will. And so you've got the proclamation of the individual angel, and then you've got the celebration and the worship with the with the multitude of hosts saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And so the proclamation is that the Savior is here. The Savior has been born. All this anticipation that, that people who paid attention to that in the nation of Israel had been waiting for, anticipated, had happened. The Savior was here. So that was huge. But then the celebration, the worship, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. And so the questions that we want to explore for the rest of the day today is what is this peace that was being celebrated and who was it for? What is this peace and who was it for? Well, I'm telling you one thing. This piece was not, I'm certain that this piece was not a number of different things. First of all, this piece was not the absence of war. If you, if you just Google the history of wars, and generally speaking, people define war as conflicts that cost more than a thousand lives. In the last couple thousand, to actually two to three thousand years, there's only been... 200 years that have been without war worldwide. So war happened before this announcement of the Savior arrival on earth, and wars have happened ever since all the time. So that certainly is not the definition of peace here. It's certainly not the absence of conflict. I mean, the holidays, right? I mean, we're all going to end up in, the, in families, homes, or family in our house, or Zooming with family. However, we're going to be connecting with family this Christmas. Conflict happens. You know, we, we've grown up with them. They've grown up with us. Everybody knows, you know, how to tweak one another, how to, how to them tweaking us, us tweaking them. It's conflict happens, and that's just in the context of family. We've got relational aspects. We've got political issue. I mean, we can, we can turn on the TV and have anger riled up and within us just by listening to some guy or gal we've never even met before. And we know nothing about them. And they say a few phrases about some political topic and all of a sudden we're just, we're, we're upset. We're upset. And, and also in this day and age of, of COVID, you walk into a store uh, you, know, you may have not had a mask. You don't want to have a mask on. You, you whatever. You, you, you wa- or maybe you may just watch other people. There is, there is this conflict that takes place in a unique way because of all the situations around us. So we can conclude definitely that conflict is not 
the or peace is not the absence of conflict um, in this in this context anyway. It's definitely also not the absence of difficulty. Uh, we, have you, have you heard of Murphy's Law? If it can go wrong, it will. I mean, if you drive any older cars, maybe even newer cars, if you own a home or live in a home or have an apartment or whatever stuff goes wrong, if you have workplace projects, you know, all these things, unless you have checked everything three times, and sometimes even when you do that, things happen that go wrong. Dave Ramsey's famous for saying, if you don't have an emergency fund, you are asking, it, it serves actually as Murphy repellent. Because if you don't have an emergency fund, you, you are asking for Murphy to show up in your house to take up residence in your extra bedroom, and usually he'll bring along his cousins, broke, desperate, and stupid. So um, that, uh, that's not the definition of peace here. It's also not the absence of difficult decisions. Experts consider or, or have, have kind of counted up, and I don't know how they do this, but they estimate that there's an adult will make 35,000 decisions each day. Now, some of them aren't hard. You decide to put your right shoe on your right foot and your left shoe on your left foot. Nonetheless, you kind of have to decide that. But other decisions are very difficult. Things that have to do with with relationships, things that have to do with, with career decisions, with financial decisions, with educational paths, which plans for the future. All of these aspects of life that roll into other critical decisions that we have to make in the coming days, months, and years. A decision every single day to humble ourselves and love the people we are closest with. Thinking about them first, setting ourselves aside. Those are decisions. Those are decisions we make, and they are not easy because we tend to thinking towards ourselves. When we're humble, when we're thinking of others, things go much easier. But these are not easy decisions. Peace also does not indicate a peace in the abs- with the absence of uh, difficult cultural decisions and influences. We've got generational conflict or discord. We've got heritage of people that are from one heritage or another. We've got political differences, socioeconomic differences. We have some people are married. Some people are not married. We've got some families with with no children. Some families have one child. Some families have a lot of children. And somehow, other people seem to care. And they look at you funny and sideways because you are one of those categories. And, and you look at them and say, why are you looking at me? <laughs> and right there, you've got this absence of peace. So peace is definitely not in the absence of cultural influences that are difficult. Lastly, and maybe, maybe most importantly, is that peace in this context is not primarily an emotional feeling. We, we think about, I think, that sometimes, is that 
that's what peace is. And there are, there are aspects of peace that can flow into that, but that is not the primary definition in the setting. So we ask ourselves, what does peace mean here? Peace in this context is the restoration of man's relationship with God that was broken by sin. But peace is the restoration of man's relationship with God that was broken by sin. And that restoration, restoration was through Jesus Christ. And so peace is that restoration through Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross. And who's it for? If we go back to Luke chapter 2, verse 14, among those with whom he is well pleased. This peace is this restoration with man, between man and God, for those that have received saving faith in Christ. It's a specific celebration. The angel announced the Savior is here. He's been born. And then the celebration is glory to God in the highest because God brought forth the Savior to accomplish his plan of salvation. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those whom he is pleased. Who is God pleased with? Those who have been restored in relationship to him through the perfect life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the what the peace is and who's it for. Turn me to Romans chapter 5, verse 1. It states it very clearly here. And verse 2, actually. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith... We have peace, there's that word again, with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope, in hope of the glory of God. Does that sound familiar? It sounds an awful lot like what that multitude of hosts were singing, doesn't it? In verse 2, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace among those whom he is pleased. Among those whom have received Christ as their Savior. So is that... Is that big idea that I just mentioned a few minutes ago, is you starting to get that, that, that big idea of I can have contentment in my current state because I have confidence in my ultimate outcome. I can have contentment, this, this inner tranquility. Why? Because I can have confidence in my ultimate outcome. 
my ultimate outcome being eternal life in heaven when I have received saving faith in Christ. More on that in a minute. Also want to uh, turn to uh, John, uh, John chapter 14, verse 27. I'm sorry, um, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13 and 14, before we were there. In this passage, uh, Paul is talking to the church in Ephesus about the, the, the time after the Old Covenant when the Gentiles were being received into the family of God along with the Jews. And he's speaking directly to this idea of peace. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. For he himself is our peace peace. He has broken off the division of hostility. So this idea of of Christmas or Christian peace, it's not a feeling. It's not an act. And it's not the magic of Christmas. It doesn't have to do with, with sitting on your couch on a cold evening and watching the snow fall outside. That's beautiful. And it's warm and it's cozy. But it's not Christian peace. We get to enjoy that. And we love that about wintertime. But we don't want to mistake it for Christian peace. This restoration of man with God. It's restoration that was required because of the brokenness of ourselves, because of the sin that we own. John 14, 27. Turn with me there. This is Jesus speaking to the disciples on the last supper that he was meeting with them, talking about his exit from this world for now. And he says this in verse 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So I'm wondering if Jesus may have been thinking a little bit about that list of things that I just kind of went through, everything from war to a feeling. Those things, when, when all those things are absent in our lives, if we have that snippet of time that we have that, or we feel like we have it anyway, um, that's peace that the world gives us. Even, in, even if everything feels calm and copacetic for a moment, sin still impacts our life. And from an eternal standpoint, we need a Savior we need to remember that the Savior has arrived, the proclamation. And we need to remember and join in that celebration of glory to God in the highest for, for bringing that Savior. 
so I can receive him. I can accept that free gift of salvation that Jesus leaves us with my peace, not as the world gives do I give. And then he says, let not your hearts be troubled. That is the peace. That is the Christian peace that we're talking about here. Peace is definitely not a feeling or an act. It's not the magic of Christmas. Peace comes through a person. A couple of quick examples of how this played out in Jesus' ministry. And you don't even have to turn there. I'm just going to tell you about them. In Luke chapter 7, there was a setting where, where Jesus was uh, interacting with some Pharisees. And for whatever reason, there was a woman there who was declared a sinner and likely a prostitute. So I'm not really sure why the prostitute was there with the Pharisees, but, you know, that's probably a different sermon. And, and in the process, this, this woman was very sad and, and really mourning something. She was, she was pouring perfume on Jesus. She was wetting his feet and washing his feet with her hair and her tears. And the thoughts were going through the Pharisees of if Jesus knew who this woman was and what she did, he probably wouldn't be wanting to hang out with her, at least to let others see that he was hanging out with her. And to that, after quite a long little, um, little discourse, Jesus essentially said, guys, if I forgive someone who sins a little versus someone who has sinned a whole bunch in significant ways— Who's going to appreciate that more? And then he leaves her with the final passage of that section in Luke chapter 7, verse 50. And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. That peace that he's talking about was not wartime. It was not... Um, even maybe relational conflict. It was not family concerns and turmoils. She needed her sin forgiven by a Savior. The Pharisees didn't really recognize that, and Jesus was teaching them in that moment, and he forgave her and said to her that her faith saved her and to go in peace she was forgiven. Kind of a similar story happened just one chapter later where a woman who was suffering from some sort of a bleeding malady for years and years, they were in a crowd of, of bustling people. And Jesus at least played like he didn't know that somebody had touched her and he, and, or who had touched her. And he said, someone touched me. The power went out from me. And ultimately this woman was a little bit ashamed that she had done this and and ultimately, Jesus recognized that and said to her in Luke chapter 8, verse 46, he said, daughter, your faith has made you well. With again those three words, go in peace. She also thought she had a physical problem, which she did. But she also, her faith made her well. She believed in the power of Jesus. She believed in Christ. She, in that moment, in all likelihood, was saved and 
Jesus said, go in peace. So the reality is, in each of these examples and in our examples in life, is that peace through Christ shows up in our storms, shows up during our difficult times. And also, peace through Christ supersedes, it kind of colors our circumstances. That is, if we can shift our minds to that and not just be overwhelmed with that setting. Think the, the cat with the hat exercise. If we find ourselves overwhelmed with anxiety, overwhelmed with the realities of the situation, we need to stop, shift our minds to the peace that we have because of the restoration. And if you haven't received faith, saving faith in Christ, know that this peace, while it may not eliminate that whole list of, of discords, if you will, it will give us an eternal peace because we're confident in our ultimate outcome. So as, you know, at, at the end of the day, I don't know the pain that, that you are facing. You know, for me this week, even right here in this moment, I'm needing to exercise my cat with a hat on toolbox. On, on Tuesday afternoon, I had the most difficult conversation with a customer that I have had in 19 years at my job. They are so disappointed with the project that I am leading right now that it boiled over and they told me and our rest of our team exactly what they thought and who they're telling about it. Namely, other potential customers. And it has given us a sick feeling this entire week as I'm, as I'm sitting here, you know, trying to, trying to build a edifying message for today. I am battling this this coloring of my life right now, knowing that tomorrow morning by 11.30, I got to have another conversation with these folks. And I don't know right now the results we're going to have for them. And so moment by moment, I got to be shifting my thoughts, casting my burdens, casting my anxieties on my Lord and Savior. Because that's the only place I've got peace this week. It's the only place that I know that I can have some contentment in this current state because it's not fun. It's not one thing fun about it. It's embarrassing. It's shameful. I don't want to provide them a bad result of what they're paying for. No one wants it more than me, in fact. Even them. But I have this contentment, or I can have in moments that, I'm, that, that Christ's grace offers that to me, I can have it because I know my ultimate outcome is secure. And that's the only reason I'm grateful because it keeps me and, and it can keep you from, from having your lows get too low to where they turn into bitterness, they turn into despair. But on the other, other side of the token, some of us are having a great week. Some of us 
are, you know, relationally humming along. We've got great friends. Maybe, maybe there's, there's a marriage in the future. Mary, maybe the job has just gone right. Maybe you're just excited about something, excited about Christmas, and you are on a high right now. But you know what also this peace does, this contentment, is it keeps your highs from being a little bit too high. Where we start to worship instead of our creator, we start to love created things. The, the blessings a little bit more than the blesser. And so I'm, I'm grateful for that too. In those times, it reminds me of, of Philippians uh, chapter 4, verses 11 through 13, which they never ever put verses 11 and 12 on t-shirts, mugs, or anything. Verse, you'll see verse 13 is, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And you see that everywhere. And it's, it sometimes recognizes a superpower of some sort. But the reality is, it's a passage about contentment and peace. Let me read it for you so you see what I'm talking about. Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. Now that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. We grasp onto that. Not when I want to try to dunk a basketball at 5'9". No, that's ridiculous. We grasp onto it when that customer calls and they let you have it. You grasp onto it when things are going so good, you kind of maybe don't think you need God. But it's at those times, both of those, that you grab on and you come back to him and say, I can have contentment in my current state because I'm confident of my ultimate outcome. So I don't know. I don't know what you're facing today. I don't know what difficulty you're facing or I don't know what joy you are expounding on. But God does. He's there. He's bringing peace through forgiveness and empowerment by the Holy Spirit. And it calms your heart, provides this, this peace that colors. Again, it gives you this lens that you can walk through life with encouragement, with recognition that I can be content regardless of the situation around me because I am confident in my ultimate outcome. I can say even in difficult moments that Christ has provided for me, he's cared for me, for as long as I can remember and I can exercise my cat in the hat toolbox and I can bring my mind to a sharp point that says he is faithful today as well. He is faithful in this circumstance as well and I am deciding to trust him. 
And that may have to happen every hour, minute by minute, day by day, all the time. We continually cast our cares, cast our burdens, cast our anxiety onto him. We pray and we set them in his court and we have peace in that. So ultimately, this, this picture, and, and we come to, come to full circle today where we, each of us, can take this message home this week and we say to ourselves that I can have contentment. If, and if you haven't received Christ in your life, this is an invitation for this. If you've received Christ and you're saved, this is a reminder and an, an exhortation to shift your mind toward a mind frame of contentment of peace through your Savior. And if you haven't received Christ, do it today. Your life may not be repaired from your perspective, but your heart, your soul will be, and you will become content because of your confidence in your ultimate outcome. Because for certain, this Christian or Christmas peace, it's not a feeling. It's not an act. It does not have to do with the magic of Christmas comes through a person. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we're so grateful for today. We're grateful for the message that the angel and the multitude brought to us, that the Savior arrived. Glory to God in the highest. We're bringing forth the Savior and on earth peace to those with whom he is pleased. We are recipients of that peace, and we're so grateful for it. I am just excited today as we look forward to the celebration of the Christmas holiday, a celebration that started with the multitudes that day. It continues today as we enjoy the Savior that came and we anticipate his second coming. But most of all, we recognize that our true peace comes through that person. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.